Mac Power Users, Episode 173, 1Password Masterclass. Hello, everyone. It's David Sparks, along with my pal, Katie Floyd. How are you, Katie Floyd? I'm good, David. Um, I have a question for you, though. Okay. You know how you always say, you know, Mac Power Users episode, blah, 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 and then we always pause for a minute for the edit point for Mark to stick in the intro music? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Well, behind the scene, that's what we do. Do you ever start, like, singing our theme song in your head or sometimes out loud when the microphone is on mute? No. Okay. N- never mind. I don't do that either. I am just was just wondering if maybe you did. I'm thinking it might be time for another theme song. Are you in the mood to write? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Or maybe one of our clever listeners will. I really like, I I know you probably don't, but I really like the uh, Accidental Tech Podcast theme song. Hmm. I'm not sure. But the, uh, but I think USA's it, it may be time. USA Syracuse on the tech. No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll just use that one then. Okay. Why not? Well, yeah. Okay. That'd be great. Uh, so this is the, um, this is an interesting show. I've had on the list now for a couple of years, 1Password. We did a, a show on 1Password way, way, way back. I think it was 2010 that we did a show on 1Password. Well, I know it was um, it, it was in the teens. Yeah. I've always been a big fan of this product, and we felt like it was a great it was a great product to kind of show to our listeners as a kind of an app show. We do those occasionally. And um, not long after, you know, within a year or so, they started sponsoring the Mac Power users. And so I had the, you know, return to one password show on the outline for years. And I always felt like I can't do this show because they're sponsoring it and people are going to say um, that we're a bunch of money grubbers and we're doing the show because they sponsor us. And it occurred to me as we were turning over the page of the calendar to January is that both one password and frankly, text expander have been punished because they sponsor our show, because those are two apps that I really think deserve a full show. And we've refused to do them because they actually sponsor the show. Whereas if they hadn't sponsored us, we would have already done the show. And that just sounded crazy to me. So we're going to do a show on 1Password. And it's true that they sponsor us, but they're not sponsoring the show. In fact, they didn't even know we were doing it. We didn't tell them when they renewed. And um, they've had no involvement with the creation of the outline or anything we say on the show. Uh, but we do think it's a good app, and we're going to talk about it. Is that is that enough of a disclaimer, you think? I think that's enough of the disclaimer. Yeah. So the show is about 1Password. Where do we start with this application that seems well, to be so essential to I, us? I think before we start with the application, we start with the problem that's that's out there. And it's really been highlighted recently with just current events. Um, there was the scare just last weekend, which turned out to be a hoax, it appears, that Dropbox was hacked. And I know we all took a collective gasp and thought, oh, my goodness, what do I have in Dropbox and how bad is it? And it turns out that that appears to have been a hoax and that it was really just down for a maintenance issue. But world, or at least nationwide uh, in the United States, people are talking about, uh, in terms of security issues, the the big target data breach. And initially, we thought that that was an issue just with credit cards being swiped. But it turns out now that it wasn't only credit cards, but everybody who had a Target.com account you know, if you ever ordered anything from the Target.com website, potentially they got your name, address, phone number, email address, and password from Target. 
And but the information is still coming out about exactly what was gotten and how, and new information may come out and things may change. And we're recording the show a little early than its release date, so I accept that. But it's just it really illustrates the problem, and I think for the first time, you're you're now seeing it on mainstream media that that these things are happening. And I was talking to my family about it. My mom's credit card actually got swiped because she um, went to Target during that weekend and they, she actually had fraud occur on her credit card and was able to get it uh, canceled. And, you know, she just kind of, you know, shrugged her shoulders and said, this is just the new normal. This is just what's going to happen and we have to be prepared for it. And as a result, she started using one password. Yeah couple weeks ago i got a notice that someone was buying gas in spain with my credit card and i was thinking well maybe it's one of our listeners you know because they they like to kind of play pranks on me once in a while or maybe it was katie floyd it was me turns out it was a crook and so you know got a new card now all my other stuff is expiring and not working because everything was attached to a card number and uh, and that's we've done shows on security but but at the computer level and the ios level you need a way to really not only secure the passwords you have, but to make good passwords and manage them in a way that doesn't make it easy for someone, if they get your target password to then go and use that to get into your credit card, for instance, or your bank or your your garbage collector or whoever it is that you've got these online accounts with. And, and that was a huge problem. That's the reason why we originally did the one password shows, because I felt like it was a problem without a solution. And then when password showed up and, and really it, on the fundamental level, it really solves this problem. And there's a couple ways it does that. I mean, one thing it does is it stores the information for your logins on your websites. And, and I don't think we can any longer talk about it as an application. It's more of kind of an ecosystem because they've got the application now on so many different platforms. Um, So, you know, when we did the first show, it was, it was all about the Mac. I don't even know if we had, I think yeah. we had an iPhone, but we didn't have an iPad at the time. I don't think it existed. No. Well, I think it had been announced, but not shipping. Yeah. So, so you've got, you know, you know, one of the problems with the modern world is that we have multiple devices. We have mobile and, and laptops and desktops, and we want to come up with a good password. And it's always been hard for me, particularly on the mobile devices. When I'm prompted to come up with a password, I just kind of fritz out because what am I going to do? You know, I, I just randomly type keyboard strokes or, you know, do something really dumb. So it's always felt to me like something that's easier on the Mac. Well, that's not really true anymore with this most recent version of one password, but just taking it on that fundamental level, you can create these passwords and they automatically propagate securely from each of your devices. So uh, if you're on the target site and you come up with a new super, you know, complex password that you have one password generate for you, um, if you've got it syncing either through iCloud or Dropbox, when you go over to your iPhone and you go to the target website because you want to buy new sump pump, uh, you just type in through one password. It picks up the password off the sync database and you're in. Are those for basements? We don't have basements in Florida. And I just like to say sump pump. Because oh, you dig more than three feet deep here and you hit water. Yeah. So. And crocodiles, from what I understand. Isn't there like a bed of crocodiles like three feet under the ground? Alligators. There's a difference between crocodiles and alligators. Okay. Things with a lot of teeth. Yeah. 
they just live here. A but friend it, of mine said that in Florida he had a alligator in his swimming pool. That happens more often than you think. And that just freaked me out. I had a friend of mine get bit by an alligator on a golfing incident. No, thanks. <laughs> we have rattlesnakes here. Al- alcohol was involved, as you might imagine. I would, I would imagine. Yes. Well, so I've, I've kind of talked around the big idea of 1Password. Um, when you're talking to someone who's never heard of it before, where do you start? Well, I first I, I start kind of where we did and talked about how and what the problem is. And what we're all guilty of doing is reusing the same username and password across all of these websites. And then I, then we talk about, well, why, why can't you do what you – everybody knows what we're supposed to do, right? We're supposed to have these unique passwords across multiple websites. Um, we're supposed to not repeat them. But why don't we do it? We don't do it because it's hard. We don't do it because I can't remember all of this stuff. I don't do it because I can't feel like I'm not in control. Um, I don't do it just because it's easier for me to have the same two or three passwords that I use and use them all the time. So then t- it really becomes about uh, education of how this is ease of use. This is, well, what if I told you you could have everything? What if I told you you could adopt the best security practices that you want and you only had to remember one password and you could have access to all your passwords on all your devices and it was pretty easy to use? Well, then okay. they start thinking about it. Yeah, and, and let's talk about that point, uh, generating a password. Um, I, I know that I used to, before I started using this application, just close my eyes and slam keys down. Have you ever done that? No. I, I did that because I didn't know how else to make a password, so I would just, just mush keys on the keyboard to get something. Um, if I sat there and tried to think about it, it becomes predictable. And there are entire businesses set up throughout the world uh, trying to break people's passwords and get into people's accounts. So I, I thought I was being clever, but it never really worked right. But if you go in one password, they have a password generator in the application. Uh, it's both. And let's, I just can I want to get into the nitty gritty a bit. Cause we, I think we talk about the generic too much because we do these, these little ad spots. I want to talk about the nitty gritty. So when you open the application on the, on the Mac, there's really three ways to get into one password. There's an application that shows up on your screen um, there is a menu bar little item, which just showed up with the most recent version, which is a really kind of nice way to get to it quickly. And then there's also a Safari or Chrome or whatever browser you use plugin that puts the little one password icon up in, in your desktop. I use all three of these means to get into the application. And for instance, uh, most often I will need to create a website when I am on in Safari in my browser of choice. And there is an icon and the one password, I guess, plugin for Safari that says password generator extension, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. Extension. And it's really great. As soon as you light it up, it's immediately created a password for you and it knows your, your general preferences. You can set the length anywhere from five characters to 20 to 30 characters. And it rates the strength of the password based on, you know, that, um, you've also got settings you can do, um, that are are kind of nice. Like for instance, um, when you have characters that are similar, like O and zero, you know, sometimes it's hard to distinguish between the two of those. And if it's a password that you're going to be typing in manually for one reason or another, maybe that's one where you want to turn that off. I mean, have you ever done that where you go to type in a password and you get the L um, instead of I or something like, or one, it's usually the lowercase L and the, and the numeral one, 
uh, numeral zero and uh, oh. uppercase O. And so there's some things. So you can just flip a switch and it takes that. It's also got a switch there where you can make it pronounceable, which is kind of nice if it's something you really want to keep. Um, well, which is especially nice if you at some point have to repeat this over the phone to somebody. So sometimes when you get into your bank account, well, they always ask you to tell them what is your mother's maiden name. And yeah. I usually don't want to do that. So I've my mother's maiden name is yeah, whatever one password spits out at me. Yeah. So what you're saying is you use the one password gener- password generator to create those um those backup data entries, you know, when they say, what's the name of your first dog and you know, what's the name of your mother's maiden name and all these other, you know, little things they put in when you forget the password and they want to verify it's you on the phone Um, rather than use actual data, which a data harvester or someone who's really motivated enough can find out. I mean, someone, it wouldn't be that hard to find out my mother's maiden name. It wouldn't be that hard to find out where I went to high school. Um, So you can just create these silly passwords in one password with the password generator, copy and paste it into those fields. And all of a sudden your backup is even more secure because of the application, which I, I do that routinely and everything. And one of the tricks I do with that, uh, just to kind of take it full circle is I one once I, you know, usually it's two or three different entries. Um, I just did this recently with my bank because I'm always kind of changing these. Um, once I made it, I took a screenshot of those answers because one uh, password doesn't save those with the way my bank website is formatted. It doesn't save what I enter into those. Who's your mother's maiden name? But I just take a screenshot of it and I save the screenshot into one password, which can save images to my banking, you know, entry in one password. And I'm good. Oh, that's a good idea. I usually just use the password generator to create them. And for the the little ones that I'm usually going to have to repeat to somebody over the phone, I'll I'll crank it down and I'll make it pronounceable and I'll, I'll keep it short. I'll keep it eight characters or 10 characters or something like that. And I'll um, copy and paste and put it in the notes field. But th- I like your idea better, I think. Yeah. So. Another way you could do this if you were really paranoid is you could save that screenshot to a separate sparse disk image and not even keep that in the one password database. I'm not that paranoid. Well, I mean, I'm sure somebody out there is. So, and maybe reading the news, they're not wrong. <laughs> uh, the other thing you can do in the password generator screen is you can set it with hyphens. You know, so sometimes you'll see passwords. In fact, the built-in password system in Safari in in OS 10.9 Mavericks wants to use a lot of hyphens. I notice you can have it where it uses symbols or no symbols. Um, it's a very it's a very um, customizable process to set that password and you can crank it up or down depending on the importance. If you've got a banking password, why not use 30 characters? Yeah. And, and the important piece of this to remember, and you've talked a lot about the password generator here is that it doesn't just generate the passwords, but it automatically saves them for you as well. So if you're generating a password on the amazon.com website, one password's going to say, "Hey, I noticed you generated a password on amazon.com. Do you want me to save this for you?" And if you already have an existing amazon.com login, you can opt to either save it as a new one or you can save it at, over your existing one if perhaps you're changing your password. Um or if for whatever reason, let's just say you skip over that button or you miss it or you don't do it at that point, one password will save all of your automatically generated passwords, which is a great feature because you can go back and you're like, ugh, I was on this site and I made a password and I guess I forgot to save it and I didn't hit the button. What do I do? 
well, it's got a, um, a field where it will save all of your generated passwords. You can just go back and it'll say, well, this is the password that we generated for you on Amazon.com on uh, December 13th at 7.53 p.m. When I was researching for the, um, when I was researching for the email uh, field guide, I found that the top 10 most common passwords, and of course the first one is the word password, which yeah. I don't think should surprise anyone. But there were some on here that I thought was like QWERTY is number five. Hmm. And, uh, and let me in is number seven. I like that one. I mean, really people are using that. And, um, monkey is number six, which I have to admit before I found the light, I used monkey as a password. Wow. So I was, I was in that demographic. The other thing I found is the difference. Uh, if you were trying to hack password, ABC three letters, um, according to the internet, that would take point zero 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 four seconds for the uh, uh, appropriately motivated hackers to, to break. Whereas I had one that was, I believe, about 25 characters with a mixture of symbols, numbers, and letters. And according to the, uh, the, the research tool I was using, it would take 45 quintillion years to beat that. Well, and a lot of it depends on the type of machine that they're using to try to break yeah. and whether you're using dictionary words, whether you're using letters, numbers, whether they're consecutive, whether they're not, you know, things like that. Yeah. And, and next year, an advancing computers could knock that 45 quintillion, which I didn't even know was a word until I found that, uh, could knock it down to, you know, like 10 minutes. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, the, uh, the point is, if you take a little time creating these, and while I, I'm with you, Katie, that one of the great things about 1Password is the ability to create those on the fly when you're creating logins on websites and it automatically saves it for you. Um, uh, I also think that people should not uh, be afraid to use that one password password generator to create passwords for fields that aren't auto filling. I mean, I use them whenever, like even just silly things like usernames or when I'm sending short links out, you know, when I'm putting up something in Dropbox and I want to give it a goofy name that's unguessable. Because sometimes I'll put something in the Dropbox shared folder and I'll send a link to a friend and it's publicly available for a while. Uh, I like to use a, a one password password generator created password, which I, I think I'm exposing my paranoia with that. But that way I know that it's not going to be just guessed upon by somebody. And, and you use that as the file name, correct? Yes, exactly. I put that in as the archive file name. And then when you send the Dropbox link, nobody's going to figure that out. Right. And then the other trick with that is a hazel rule that, that kills the file in a couple of days. Yeah. I think I've read about that somewhere. I don't know if it was you or Merlin or somebody, but I've, I've read about yeah. that for sure. And then we'll get into the nitty gritty of, you know, kind of walking you through how to get it set up and get it used. But I just do want to point out that one password can be used for other things besides storing passwords. And, and you've already talked about some uses that you can use the password generating function for other than passwords, which is great. But by design, it will also store credit cards, membership and loyalty cards, software licenses, secure notes, and all of that stuff that we'll talk about in a little more detail. Yeah. Um, but before we Super do. Super useful. Yeah. Uh, why don't we take a quick break? And David, why don't you tell us about our first sponsor? I'd be happy to. That's Fujitsu. Uh, Fujitsu is the maker of the ScanSnap scanner products. And we've been talking about Fujitsu for a while on the show and just got an email the other day from listener Dave who said, look, Dave, um, uh, 
I should have listened to you. He bought, he, he heard us talking about the scan snap and he said, I don't want to spend that much money. And it, depending on which one you get, they can be kind of expensive, but he said, I, I'm just going to get, go to, you know, Best Buy and get a flatbed. And he tried to do his, his paperless thing with that. And that didn't no! work. Yeah, and then he got something else on sale at Best Buy that was supposed to be a document scanner, but it wasn't a scan snap. And it, put a big line down the middle of every page and it was, it was getting two at a time. And he finally bit the bullet and bought himself a Fujitsu scan snap. And he says, I will never uh, not listen to you again. I will just go buy what you tell me to buy. And I said, I wrote him back and said, that's exactly what you're supposed to do. And that was great. And then you forwarded that email to your wife and kids. No, no I don't even try with them. <laughs> I don't try. But so Fujitsu makes some, some great scanners. And I think the thing Dave needed to realize was, and what he ultimately did realize is you don't need to buy the fanciest one. But I'm going to talk about that one first anyway, because it's my favorite. It's a, the IX500, and it's not really that expensive uh, relatively for what it does. It's a full duplex scanner, which means it gets the front and the back, and it, it can do 50 sheets at a time, which is kind of amazing. I just got the thing from the Bar Association with all the new laws in it. You know, it's like a, it was about 60 pages, actually, and it's, you know, front and back. And it, they sent it to me as a document, as a paper document. So, of course, I just ripped the spine off it, stuck it in my ScanSnap IX500, uh, turned on the OCR, pushed the button, and in like three minutes, I had it in iBooks with OCR in it, and I can read it now and highlight it, and I'm very happy. So that's what you get with the IX500. It's USB 3.0, does 25 pages per minute. It can scan directly to mobile devices. So if you've got the app on your iPhone or your iPad, you can scan from the IX500 straight to that device. It's got that new advanced paper feeding system, so you don't get the problem with it catching too. It's got a separation roller that fixes that. And it's got more scanning options. So you can do all sorts of stuff. You can send it to Evernote or whatever it is you want to do with your scan. It will do it for you. Uh, they also have the ability with the IX500 to scan wirelessly to your Mac, which is a new feature, and it's pretty cool. I've been using that one quite a bit. Uh, the S1300i is the medium scanner. It's it's It can sit on your desk, but it's also portable enough you can take it with you. And it's got a sheet feeder. It takes uh, 12 pages per minute. Um, it's, once again, two-sided, uh, multi-page scanning. It's I think it's the one Dave should have got. You know, he was... He was, you know, beating himself up for the money he, he spent on the other scanners. He could have easily bought the S1300 and been done. Another thing I like about the S1300 is you can put it in the drawer. If, you, if you're limited on desk space, you just put it in your drawer. When you're ready to scan, you pull it out and you plug it back in. And then if you really want the ultimate portability, it's the S1100, which can fit in your bag. It's a USB power, so you don't even need an AC power. Uh, it doesn't pull multiple pages because it's so small, but... It gets you all that great features of software that still does the OCR and all this other great stuff. You can go and check it out over at www.ec.com slash SSMPU and go to SSMPU because that lets them know you heard about it on the Mac power users. And I, I just have never heard of anyone that bought a Fujitsu ScanSnap and was unhappy with it. They do great work. They make a great product and, and we're really proud to have them affiliated with the show. I have a problem about that. What? My mom has started doing some research in preparation for her Macworld trip. Okay. And is making a list of all the people she wants to go see. Well, her and I are hanging out. We already set it up. Yes, yes, yes. And and she has decided that she needs to go talk to the uh, SnapScan people. That's what, she, <laughs> that's what she calls them. That's great. Yeah. And she has been doing some research on their website and um, decided that she needs an upgrade. 
They did. Well, you know, that sounds like a good opportunity for a, a good daughter to buy her mom a nice present. Apparently, that's what I'm going to have to do for her birthday this year. I, I, I bought a ScanSat for someone this Christmas. I mean, just because they sponsor the show doesn't mean they're just going to mail oh. me scanners every time yeah. I ask. But no. my, we, there's a member of my family that needed a scanner, and I, I bought her the S1300i, and she's very happy with it. So. No, that's, that's my problem is she has the S1300i. And uh, so you're going to be more expensive. Yeah, she's decided that she needs the eye stuff. People love these things. I remember a few years ago at Macworld, they had like a little camera and like a booth there where you could go talk about how you love your ScanSnap. And and it, it, they weren't giving away stuff. They were just soliciting people to, you know, give testimony. And there was a line like throughout the whole <laughs> Macworld. I mean, people love these things. Yeah. I think we've gone on long enough with that. <laughs> yeah. though. All right. So let, let's talk a little bit about why they call 1Password one password and yeah. just functionally how it works. And the reason that one password is called one password is because the idea behind it is instead of remembering all of these super complicated passwords that you're creating, or even instead of remembering the half dozen or so passwords that you have to create across multiple sites that you then reuse over and over and over again, the idea behind one password is to simplify this and to remember one password. It's the name. Don't you feel like Lord of the Rings every time you think about it? You know, one password to rule them all. Yeah, I do. And so the first thing that they have you do, and I just walked through a one password setup this week, is to create a master password. And one password gives you some tips, and they've actually written pretty extensively on what makes a good master password. And you really want to give some thought to that master password because that master password is your keys to the kingdom. It should not be like, you know, monkey would be a bad yeah, master password. That's that's number seven on the list. That's a bad idea. So, um, yeah, the, the blog entry is called Toward Better Master Passwords. And one of the things Dave and Roasten and everybody over at One Password, they, they've got some really smart math people there and some really smart. Um, you know, just password encryption people and they have an active blog and they frequently update it with information about the stuff that I never really understood. You know, everybody knows to avoid short common passwords. Uh, but, uh, even things like, a uh, combination of a word and numbers will still be easily crackable. And, and that's something that that I didn't really understand until I read this blog entry. I'm going to go ahead and put it in the show notes. Well, all right. So since you've got the blog entry open, give me some general tips about what you need to do for a good master password. The strength of a password creation system is not how many letters, digits, and symbols you end up with, but how many ways you could get a different result using the same system. That's the big part, right? So um, use, um, don't just write a word and try and jam everything together. The space bar is perfectly normal or useful when creating a master password. In fact, the one I'm currently using um, is a really disjointed sentence that has spaces in it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, know, I know part of your password now. I know you have at least a space or two in your password. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Good luck with that. All right. But but that's something that people don't think Now it's only going to take me of. 20 quadrillion years. But so people think that. You know, like, oh, a good password is, is pencil, you know, 13 or pencil 14, you know, the, the word plus the year at the end. 
and that is not a good password. And but where if you if you extend it out, use some some punctuation, use you know different types of symbols and numbers, and create a, an entire phrase or sentence, you're much better. Now the downside of that is it takes a long time to enter your password. If you watched me enter my password in one password, you'd be like, wow, that's a lot of care you know character symbols, and that's a lot of typing to do to get in. But then I know it's it's really secure. Um, just to kind of jump over to the iOS version, because I think that conversation needs to happen. When I type in my password in one password on iOS, it takes me a while because it's, it's a whole phrase, but I'm very fast at it because, you know, I get good at it. And then the next time the clocks change, it'll change again. But, uh, in the iOS version of one password, there's a setting in there that allows you to use a shorter password once you're in for a certain set amount of time. And that's what I always do. So I have a nice rock solid password. So if someone picks up my phone, turns it on and they try and get in, they aren't going to get in without this crazy password. But once I do get in, the convenience gets a little better. I have a smaller password I can use. And then on the Mac version, at least once you've created your master password, now you've got to set up some initial preferences for the application. And we'll talk about the iOS setup a little later, but at least on the Mac version, you can set up things like how, when is the program going to lock? Because you talked about on the iOS version, yours will set to, um, it will default to this shorter password, but then it, after a certain amount of time passes, it will get you to this longer password. Well, that's not so much an option on the Mac version, but your does your one password keychain relock after a set time interval? Does it relock when your computer goes to sleep? Yes. Does it relock when your screensaver comes on? Yes. Does it relock um, after so much time? Yes. And those are all the things that you can configure. So you can kind of configure your security preferences there. The other thing that we'll walk you through is installing your browser extensions. And 1Password uses extensions in all of the web browsers, and I think they've got them for all of the modern browsers, which is how that connects the information in your browser with the information in 1Password. So the first time you launch all of your various browsers, it will go ahead and walk you through installing those extensions, and sometimes you'll have to restart the browsers. And then you'll have to decide um, if you want to sync 1Password, and if so, how you want to sync 1Password. And we'll talk a little bit about the various options for that later. Yeah, I don't want to understate the importance of having a good master one password, though. Um, I think it's really easy, especially if you're just testing the app out to put a, you know, pencil class password in. And and maybe that's just because you want to get in there a lot and kind of get things set up the way you want. But very shortly afterwards, you need to come up with a really strong password uh, for the whole thing, because that's what really makes it work. Um, I caught this problem with my wife. I, I saw she was using a four digit password for one password. Ooh, and ooh. I kind of flipped. I'm like, what are you doing? Because our whole life is in a lot of these accounts and that's not good enough. And so we talked about it and, you know, I don't usually get on her about tech stuff because who wants to hear that from their spouse, but, but password management is one, like I've said in the past, I mean, this is the one thing I will get on my soapbox and talk to people about because I think it's so important. And now she has a real good password like mine. It's a long phrase with spaces and symbols, blah, blah, blah. But um, that's something I, I really don't want to understate and, and change it up, change it up often. Did you see the droid Jedi in the preferences pane of one password? I'm sorry to go totally off topic, but I was just going through the preferences to make sure we hadn't missed any. Yeah. And there's a droid with a lightsaber in there. 
Just saying. Where at? Under the advanced preferences. Oh my goodness. Yes. How okay. did this happen? I don't know. I swear he wasn't there before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So that's the All one right. password Easter people egg. having a little fun. All yeah. right. All right. So getting, so how do you get started with one password? Cause we've, we've been talking about this for 30 minutes now. And so I'm, how do you get somebody started very first time setting up and using one password? And I actually it- just did this. Oh, well, I would say it depends on your platform. If it's a, if it's a typical listener to our show, I would say start on the Mac. I I agree. I agree. Download the version, install it in your browsers. They've done a really good job of walking through the initial steps and you're going to have to have it in place to start, uh, number one, entering your own existing passwords and also start creating better passwords for you as you move in into for move forward and we're going to get over the other features, but I think that the beginning place for this is the password management. So uh, get out your Excel spreadsheet, your word document, your little black book or whatever it is that you've been writing passwords down and just start filling in logins. And they've got a really easy way. You hit the plus sign, you type in the website and type in your name and login and it, it tracks all that for you. Well, they've they've got even an easier way than that, too, is because if you've gone through the setup and you've added the browser extensions, um, one of the things that I recommend that people do is go through your bookmarks. You know, yeah. Most most people have, oh, I've got Amazon, I've got my bank, I've got my utility company, I've got my cable company, I've got – your bookmarks is a good place to start. I just say go A through Z through your bookmarks, go to your yeah, – go, go through this website, log in. And as you go to a website and as you log in – one password the first time it sees you log into that website, it will prompt you, do you want me to save this password? And it's not perfect. Um, I was doing this over the weekend with somebody, and I would say it got 95 plus percent of the passwords. There were a couple of wacky bank websites that make you jump through different hoops and it didn't catch those and we had to manually enter them. But we at least got the websites that they used every day by going through their bookmarks in logging in. And this person didn't have a little black book or a Excel spreadsheet or anything like that. They kept their passwords on. Now with, with the release of Mavericks, now Apple has built in their own rudimentary password creation and fill in system in Safari. Uh, are you using that? Not really a little bit. Yeah. I want to, I want to talk about at the end of the show, I do want to talk about some alternatives to one password, but I think this, this one actually makes sense right here because that's all it does. I mean, all it does is, create and enter passwords for you. And that's kind of what we're talking about now. I, I find that, you know, I tried it out when it came out. I just don't like the idea of that stuff being behind my most basic security on my iPhone or my iPad. Like if I hand my iPad over to someone at a family event, they've got the ability to log into any site that I've set up that way. And that's not, to me, that's not secure enough. So I don't really use it very much. And I frankly like the granular control I get with the, you know, with the, with the ability to, you know, make better passwords with one password. It, it, the, uh, the Apple version is much more limited. It, it's kind of like the difference between like an Instapaper and a pocket and reading list. There's just so much pow- more power with the thing that's independently developed. All right. So you're going through and you're getting your information in one password, whether it be by um, letting one password automatically pick them up through your websites or whether it be manually entering them from your little black book or your Excel spreadsheet or, or wherever. And I would say initially, if you've got, you know, depending on if you're on a time crunch, but initially, 
you may want to run like that for a little while. If you're if you're new to the concept of 1Password and you're just getting set up with it and you're not quite sure what this whole thing is, it can be a little overwhelming and that may be a good place to start. And you might remember, David, that when we recorded our 1Password show umpteen years ago, that's kind of what I was doing. I had gotten all yeah. my passwords in 1Password and maybe I'd changed a few of them, but that's where I was. I was using 1Password with all of my own passwords, which... I know a lot of people do that, and in retrospect, now I was I was only uh, I was only solving my immediate problem of having to remember all of my passwords. I wasn't really solving the security problem. Yeah, and and the application has got much better at helping you identify weaknesses in your existing passwords than it used to. So as you collect them organically, as Katie is recommending, it's going to be looking at those passwords for you. It's going to be identifying duplicates. It's going to be identifying ones that aren't very strong. And you can go through and then go through and start cleaning those up later. Uh, you don't need to turn this into an all-day project. No, I, I th- think I think you prioritize it. And I think for someone who's not a super nerd, uh, you don't want to turn it to an all-day project. You don't want to turn to labor. You want them to see how seamless it is to set this stuff up. And, and that's what you get, you know, by, by taking it kind of in baby steps like that. And this isn't even a, addressing the other stuff you can do with the application. This is the main, you know, purpose of just password management. Yeah. And I think there are two ways that you take it in baby steps. Um, one is I've created, I think you've created a folder and I think you call it DEFCON 5 or something like that. I've created it and called it yeah. high, high priority because I'm not nearly as creative as you are. But I've created a folder. No, you just don't like war games. Let's yeah, just be honest. That's that's true. So I've created a folder. Or maybe I should call mine Red Alert. Okay, go no, for it. Nothing? Okay. Well, Why not? all right. So I've created a folder that I'm now at this moment renaming to Red Alert. And inside my Red Alert folder, I've got the passwords of my, what I would call my high priority passwords. I've got all of my banks, all of my financial institutions. I've got Dropbox. I've got my iCloud password. I've got all of those passwords that bad things would happen if these sites got compromised. And that is also the list that I use that I rotate because you've gotten me on the schedule that I rotate twice a year when the clocks change. But if you're getting new to one password, I would take that folder and it's probably going to be a dozen or so passwords and those would be the passwords that I initially change to one password passwords um, that you initially change to randomly generated um, 15 or more character passwords that use a random combination of letters, numbers, symbols that you don't repeat across any other passwords. Yeah. And when I'm getting someone started, if they are multi-platform, I get them syncing immediately. I say, okay, let's get it. Let's get it for your phone and your iPad too. Um, and once in a while I get blowback on that from like family members and friends are like, well, you know, that's going to be another $10 or whatever it costs. I'm like, how much would you pay right now, uh, to prevent someone from having your iTunes password? And is it worth more than, you know, $15 yeah. to you? It's, it's really a no brainer. I mean, when you stop and think about it right? And, and the sync is really good. Well, why don't we talk about um, some of the different syncing options because they're they're new ones now. But before we do that, I want to take a quick break and talk about our second sponsor for this episode, and that is our good friends over at Drobo. So, David, I've had a lot of fun with my Drobo over the um, over the holiday. I've been, I guess, it's not hacking the Drobo because it's completely supported, but it kind of feels like that in a fun kind of nerdy way. Yeah, totally. 
So what I have done is I've got the Drobo 5N. And when we started um, with the Drobo, I paid a lot of attention to the different models. And I was really struggling going back and forth between the Drobo 5D, which is just an ultimate powerhouse in terms of speed, and it connects via Thunderbolt, and it direct connects, so you've got a lot of options with things that you can do with it, and it is just blazingly fast. And the 5N, which connects to your network, which means it's available for all of your devices that are on your network. And ultimately, I decided to go with the 5N because I thought it was better for my use case. And I liked the prospect of Drobo apps. And the promise of Drobo apps has been around for a while. Drobo apps were something that was initially announced with the Drobo FS, which was released a couple of years ago. But they have really uh, never, there were a couple apps that came out and there was a community around Drobo apps, but nothing really materialized from it. And now that Jeff and the gang are back over at Drobo, um, one of the things that Jeff told us that he was going to prioritize is they were going to get back into the development of apps for the 5N. And I said, well, yeah, that'd be great. I, I hope you guys do that. And boom, it is happening. It is done. And it is still happening. And they have launched the Drobo App Store, which really isn't an app store because most of the apps are free. In fact, I haven't found a paid one yet. But they've launched it with a couple of uh, premier apps, including the Plex app, which I've installed, including Elephant Drive, uh, which is a backup app. But then they've also got other supported apps for the Drobo. And you can find more about this on Drobo's website um, and a great community of people who are supporting Drobo apps. And one of the things that I found on the Drobo apps platform that I was really interested in was CrashPlan, because I've talked a lot about how I'm interested in CrashPlan. So I went to the Drobo forums and found a pretty detailed post about how to get CrashPlan up and going on the Drobo. And sure enough, it took me it took me a couple hours because I was really documenting the process. It probably wouldn't have taken but less than an hour if I'd actually just done it. But I was able to install CrashPlan along with some of the helper applications because you have to install Java, Java and you have to install um, an SSH client, some things like that into your Drobo, which sounds really complicated, but it wasn't. And if you go to my website, I've actually got a post where I detailed using uh, Clarify uh, all of the steps in how to do this. But I got CrashPlan up and running on my Drobo. So why is this important? Well, previously, my family members who were backing up to me um, using my Drobo as storage, they would have to go through my Mac Mini and it would have to be on. And it was kind of this convoluted way of, of making sure that things were happening. But now my Drobo is just acting as a crash plan storage. And so I've got this huge pile of space on the Drobo. And the Drobo is really acting as its own mini server. And it's just working flawlessly. I've got you know, three other family members plus myself backing up to it. It's never had a problem. It's fast. It's quiet. Um, I just, I, I'm thrilled. And with the Drobo apps, the honestly, the need for that Mac Mini Home Media Center that I've got with between Plex and CrashPlan, that was probably a big chunk of what I used my Mac Mini for. And now it's on the Drobo. Yeah, increasingly, uh, a, a network attached storage unit can solve so many of those problems for you. There's a lot of apps being supported on Drobo now. I'm just looking at the website. Wow. Yeah, and it's it's not that hard. I mean, like I said, I was able to get some of them are just one single click, boom, it's installed and you can configure it like Plex, for example. I mean, there's no reason not to install Plex on your Drobo 5N. 
and give it yeah. a try. Um, but others, they've got pretty documented resources in the Drobo forums to get you started. So uh, check it out. You can find more information about Drobo over at drobo.com, whether it's the ultra-fast Drobo 5, uh, excuse me, whether it's 5D. the old, 5D. Yeah. I've got a frog in my throat there. Or the network-enabled Drobo 5N or the Drobo Mini if you need something for grab-and-go storage. Um, they've got a solution that that's right for you. And uh, thanks, Drobo, for your continued support of Mac Power users. So we've got the master password. We've, we've got people going with it. Um, let's talk about getting that data synced across to your various devices. Uh, I always did it in Dropbox. That was kind of the original you know, go-to system for it. And, and recently they've, they've come out with a solution on iCloud, which I think makes a lot of sense for people that are in the Apple ecosphere. Yeah. I switched mine over to iCloud with version four when it, when it syncs, but let's, let's back up and let's talk about why sync is important first. Okay. Why is it important? Oh, I thought you were going to answer that question. Well, I don't know. No. <laughs> well, um, you, sync you is wanna... important. I'm sorry. Uh, sync well, is important. <laughs> we don't even have a third person. We're still stepping all over each I other. I know, Katie it, it happens sometimes. All right, well, you tell us why sync is important. I'm going to have a drink. Okay. Sync is important because it makes sure that all the information that you've collected uh, and put into one password, because this is a lot of information, is available wherever you happen to be. So if you're on your iPad and you're shopping or you need to log into a website, you want to make sure that you've got that password on your, your iPad. Because the idea being is if you use one password to create and generate these super strong passwords for you, you're not going to have them in your head. The only password you're going to have in your head is your master password. So it's important to have these accompanying apps. And it's important that their data be all synced and up to date so that you've got access to all of your passwords everywhere you go. And honestly, it was the introduction of the 1Password apps that really convinced me to go ahead and take the plunge and start having 1Password generate all my passwords for my various sites because I was really nervous up until then. Am I going to get locked out of my websites? Really? It took you that long? Mm-hmm. I'm surprised. Well, I, as soon as I saw it, I, I was in with the password generation because I felt like I was doing a very poor job of my own password generation. And that's a perfect job for a computer to do for me. Um, the other reason I think sync is really helpful is because the other features in the application, when you use it to save secure notes, you're going to want to have them on your phone. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, that's something that, that I use every day. I'm, I'm in, you know, one of the reasons why I felt like we needed to do a one password show is if you look at my phone right now, it's the top left corner of both my iPad and my phone is one password. When they came out with version four of the iOS app, they built in this just killer browser in it. So, uh, I have no problem using one password to surf the web. And since it's in one password, it's going to autofill all my crazy passwords I've generated with it. I use it probably as much as I use Safari anymore. Yeah. So we'll talk a little bit more about the iOS lab later, but that brings us to our point of, so now you've got all these devices that support one password. Maybe it's an iPhone, maybe it's an iPad, maybe it's just another Mac, maybe it's a PC at work. Um, how do you get all this information to sync across? And before there was only one solution, it was always just Dropbox, which was and fine. it's still a good solution. It's a great solution because the data is not that big. It's not that big of a pot of storage and anybody can get a free two gigabyte Dropbox account. So everybody can sync their one password data using Dropbox. 
But and it's heav- heavily encrypted, so if someone gets into your Dropbox account, they aren't going to be able to download your 1Password sync file and just unwrap it and find out all your passwords. Well, and even if they did, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, you and I have talked about how I carry my 1Password sync file on my keychain. Yeah. And I'm not worried about it because that 1Password key- uh, sync file or keychain file, I think is what it's called, is very heavily encrypted. So, okay, here you go. Have my keychain and go up, go for it. Um, then they added iCloud. And Katie, you're the one who convinced me to switch over to iCloud. And you had a really good reason. Um, yeah. As you exp- go ahead. I'm sorry. My, my reason for switching over to iCloud um, is besides my one password, master password, my iCloud is probably the only other password that I have memorized. And that's because I have to enter it so many times in so many places. And if, and this has happened to me, it happened to me actually not all that long ago, is if you're in a situation where your iOS device ends up getting wiped or lost or stolen or damaged or dropped or whatever, and you can, you can walk into any Apple store, you can get a new iPhone, you can get a new iPad with iCloud backup, you can restore your device to the way that it was last night, assuming your device is like mine and backs up every night when it's plugged into iCloud. And boom, you're ready to go. You've got all your data back on. But some of the most important data on my phone is my 1Password data, which before iCloud syncing was useless to me because it was in my Dropbox. And I didn't know what my Dropbox password was. No, it was in your 1Password. Yes, my 1Password data file was in my Dropbox, and I couldn't access it because I didn't know what my Dropbox password was. Chicken and the egg problem. Right. Uh, I ran into that a couple times, and you know, every time I had either my phone or my iPad with me, in addition to the other device, yeah, you had able, another device, so you were able to get it. But but it makes good sense, and I was a little hesitant to do it because you know iCloud has such a bad reputation for for some of it syncing, not all of it. And I thought, well, why do I want to go with a different system if Dropbox is working just fine for me? And after you made that comment on the show, I switched it over to iCloud, and that was probably four or five months ago. I've had no troubles at all syncing it through iCloud. In fact, I think it's faster. It seems like that you know it keeps the data more current between the devices uh, without uh, any kind of lag in sync. So I, I've been very happy with iCloud as the syncing mechanism for it. Can I tell you a secret? Yeah. You can actually sync them via both. I just blew my mind again, Katie Floyd. All right. Can you want me to tell you how? All right. Yeah. All right. Oops. Sorry. I bumped the mic with my iPhone. All right. So unfortunately, one password for Mac does not support syncing via both iCloud and Dropbox, but one password for iOS does. And I'm not real sure how this happened or why this happened. Um, but the one password folks kind of confirmed that yes, this does happen and it works. So if if you set up iCloud syncing, which I have, everything syncs via iCloud, and that's great. But if you go into your settings on your iOS app, you can also turn on syncing by Dropbox. And as long as you semi-regularly, depending on how often you want them all to be in sync with each other, as long as you semi-regularly open up that 1Password app on your phone, which I think you and I have established happens at least on a daily basis and sometimes more than once a day, the yeah. one password app on your phone syncs every time you open it. And that's keeping the iCloud and the Dropbox data in sync behind the scenes. So are you doing that now? Yeah, and you probably are too. You probably don't know it. Yeah. And if no you, conflicts, no problems. It's no just conflicts. Happening. It just works. 
Um, Interesting. So do you still have your 1Password database and your iPhone or iOS device linked to Dropbox? Because you probably did at one point when you brought it over. And then, yeah, you switched, and then you switched it over to iCloud. Yeah. So it's doing it in the background. Probably. You may want to double check. The, the other thing I do is I do um, export it out as a simple text file. And I have that encrypted in a sparse image drive that I keep. All right. Now tell me about that, because that's one of the major concerns about 1Password is getting your data out. Yeah. So if worse comes to worse... Uh, it does have the option. If you go under file export and then you can do selected items or all items, I just say all items, and then it'll ask for your password again. I'm going to just run through it while I'm doing it here. Um, it, it gives you the format that you want. You can put it into a one password interchange format, or you can also put it out as a text file. Now, and then let me just ask you, can you still put it out as a text file? Cause I thought that was something that got lost in version four and I thought they were going to bring it back, but they haven't yet. I'm so, just running through it as I'm going. Oh, they might've been a software uh, this update is called since pad- I last looked. Podcasting on the fly. No, you know what? You can't, you can't, they don't have the text version. Yeah. Well, I that looked- tells you how long it's been since I, since I did it. <laughs> Not long enough, David. Um, Apparently. I, actually, I actually looked this up when we were um, preparing, when I was preparing the show notes last weekend and uh, it, you used to be able to export from one password to a text file, and that appears to have gone missing in version four. Um, but I did look on their support website, and apparently a couple of people have asked about bringing this feature back. So I, it's something that they're looking at doing. I think it's a good idea. I mean, the reason I have it is it's locked up in a way where, you know, it's if David drops dead file. Yeah. Now, the thing that you, you can do is you can um, print it to PDF. And there's an option where you can sh- reveal the password. Yeah. So that's that always that. Yeah. But uh, uh, syncing it through iCloud, I think, makes sense now. If you're on all Mac and iOS, if you're not, then just go to Dropbox. I mean, I, I've got a lot of friends that I've converted to 1Password. I, I swear I don't convert people to Macs, but I do convert people to 1Password. And some of them are multi-platform and are using Windows or Android, and they're just as happy with it. But obviously, they just sync it through Dropbox. Yeah, and that's why I like the idea of the Dropbox sync happening in the background on my iOS device because I have a PC at work I occasionally use, and I've got one password in that. Oh, really? Um, See, that's something I don't do. At work, I do have a PC. I don't use it very often, and I intentionally don't link. I don't. I didn't install one password. I don't link it. I, as far as I'm concerned, the work computer, I, I think, is very subject to uh, to trouble. So I don't want to have one password there at all. Well, see, I I understand where you're coming from, and I used your your uh, multiple Dropbox account trick so that it's linked to my Dropbox account, but that's the only thing that it's being shared across to yeah. a different Dropbox account. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sharing my entire Dropbox account with that work PC. And I I understand where you're coming from. I understand not wanting to put your 1Password information on your work PC, but I also am like, yeah. So what, if they throw me out the back door one day, they're never going to be able to get to my 1Password data. Uh, I'm, I'm not worried about that so much as just other people accessing that computer and the inherent security risks that Windows has. And I mean, we've got an Exchange 2003 server at work. How, how long is it until someone breaks through that? I don't know. Okay, Katie Floyd. Uh, uh, I do want to mention one more thing about sync. And okay. that is a lot, a lot of people 
not a lot, a few people do not like the idea of sync because just for the same reason that you mentioned that for whatever reason, you don't like the idea of your one password data file being on your work PC, which heck if I carry around my data file on my keychain. I, I think it would still be, don't want it there. I think it would be okay on your work PC, but I understand there are a lot of people who say, I do not want my one password data file in the cloud period. And, and we actually hear this from listeners quite often. And the response I always give them is that's okay. They have a Wi-Fi sync. Yeah. So there is an option that if you, if you do not want your one password data file in the cloud, you can manually sync it over your local network via Wi-Fi. Yeah. And I've and never done that. I mean, I did I, that back in the day when that was the only option to sync when they didn't have a Dropbox sync. That's how long I've been using one password. Yeah. But I, I have not done it since. And back then, it, it didn't take long. I mean, once the handshake was made, you got the data over pretty quickly. Right. But that's I, a, I would imagine it's even faster, but I haven't tried it in, in years. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, let's talk about some of the advanced and other features of 1Password before we talk about the, uh, the iOS devices. But before we do that, I'd like to talk about our sponsor, Hover. Hover provides you simple, pressure-free domain management. It's got a great interface, and it's a great way to buy your domains. In fact, one of my goals today, Katie Floyd, is to do this ad spot without you finding some way to convince me to buy another domain. Good luck with that. you seem to be very good at that, yeah. Um, but, but really, Hover does make it so easy. I think that's why I've I keep buying them. Um, they've got this interface where it's just a simple box. You type in whatever the domain it is you want, and they'll show you if it's available. Uh, they'll show you from different domains like .org, .com, whatever it is they've got. You know, they've got the major ones covered, and you're going to find the domain you want. They also make suggestions for other domains that are similar to that if the one you want is really taken. Um, the other thing I like about this company is just they have outstanding customer support. If you have a problem, you pick up the phone, and a human answers. It's like it's just like a garden of niceness in a land of dirty, icky domain salesmen. <laughs> I've had such bad experiences with all these domain purchasers in the past that I still can't get over how great Hover is for me. And and I've, I've moved everything over them. Uh, they've got good intentions and great ex- execution, and they just deliver. Um, one of my favorite emails we got from a listener that said they did the move to Hover. And one of the things they liked about it was not only did Hover teach them how to move their domains to Hover, they also have a tutorial on how to move your domains away from Hover. So they aren't building one of these roach motels. Um, They really want to give you good service. And if they feel like you're not happy with them, they make it possible to leave. I mean, what better testament could you give to a company? And I wrote this down because the listener wrote it at the end of the email. Hover is not the usual skanky domain service. And amen to that. <laughs> <laughs> amen to that. Uh, they also do email. I've got my email through Hover. Uh, they do uh, the Google apps if you want. They've, they've got a lot of great services there. It's hover.com. You go and pick a domain and start start running it. If you've got domains already from other services, they'll help you move them over to Hover. They'll give you credit for the time you've already bought so you won't lose that time. You don't have to wait. Uh, I, I just can't recommend them enough. It's the it's the company that I do all my domain business through, even the stuff that Katie Floyd talks me into when I'm not thinking about it. And they have an outstanding um, discount coupon code this week. You know what that is, right? Uh, yes, I have heard. Yeah, Max Barky, uh, M-A-X-B-A-R-K-Y, which is Siri's, you know, love name for me. 
Oh my goodness. And and so we have also established that the folks at Hover have a great sense of humor and listen to Mac Power yeah. users. Yeah, they love our show too. They're they're Mac Power users like us and they really want to give you good service. So go check them out at hover.com and, and thanks for sponsoring the show. And remember, put in M A X B A R K Y to get a nice little discount off your purchase. Yeah. Not Mac Sparky, because if you put a Mac Sparky, they'll actually charge you more, is what I heard. No, just kidding. <laughs> well, Katie would, yeah. definitely. <laughs> All right, let's move on. All right, let's talk about some of the non-password features of One Password. Okay. Yeah. Can I talk about the the secure notes because I yes. use that multiple times a day? Talk about it, secure notes. Okay, so they've got these secure notes in One Password, and and they've built all these templates for them uh, for you. So, like when you want to add something. You can you can add you know different types of information like credit cards, identities, passwords. But they also have this thing just called secure notes, and it is exactly what it sounds like. It's just a note you can add, and and you can put information in there that you don't want people to get at. And to me, this became a real big deal more than on the Mac, but on iOS because there is information that I want to have available to me anywhere that I've got my phone, but I don't want it to be information available to me as soon as you enter my thumbprint or my simple password to get into my iOS device. And this is what secure notes and one password do for me. They give me the ability to do it. I talked about this in the holiday show where I said, when I go to family members houses, I've got a, a secure note because I've been doing this for years. That's got their Wi-Fi passwords. It's got their iTunes passwords. You know all the things that you know my my Muggle family members will never change and have no idea. They don't even know what their own passwords are. So when I go to their house and inevitably do the you know holiday tech support, I just open that secure note and I actually make annotations to it. Do whatever I want. Um, actually, there's a new way to do this in One Password. If you want, you could have separate vaults for you know the various places you go. But since I've been doing it, these secure notes, I'm just going to keep doing it there. Um, I use secure notes to keep track of personal information about my family members, uh, medical information, my medications, whatever. I, I put it in there and I know that it's safe and not available to anyone that picks up my phone. How about you? What do you use secure notes for? Um, I use them for kind of the similar things, except I use them more for true notes because I keep family members log on information and router information, all that stuff. I keep those as separate entries within my one password data. So, yeah, uh, which, that makes sense too, which, which I understand why you do it your way. Cause my one password just logins and stuff like that is starting to get a little bit cluttered. And, but I think you touched on the vaults feature and that's probably something that is not to be overlooked. Cause that's a new feature that I haven't started using. And maybe you could elaborate on that a little more, but I definitely use um, the secure notes feature. I have a secure note with just general family info where I've got, um, information about how to get into the family safe. Um, I've got the um, information about my family members with their social security numbers and driver's license numbers and things like that. Um, I have family members lists of medications and, you know, you just, you need that information once and you don't have it and you think I need to put this somewhere where I'm going to be able to get to it. And you don't just want to stick that information somewhere where it's not secure. I've used it. Uh, in relation to my day job as well, when sometimes a client gives me the seven secret herbs and spices and I'm on the road or at a remote location with them, 
and I want to digitally record some very important confidential information, and I don't feel comfortable just putting it on like an NV alt file because that's just plain text. I, I will record that into a secure note, one password, and maybe it'll go somewhere else later. But while it's in transit, I at least feel like it's safer. Yeah, that makes sense too. I, I, I am in, you know, one password quite often every day on my iOS devices. And one of the main reasons is all the stuff I keep in these secure notes. I was looking at, there's not a, uh, there's not a count in the application, but just scrolling it as I'm talking, there are a lot of secure notes in here. Oh, wow. Uh, uh. Well, tell me more about this vault feature then, because how can I now, is that more designed for people to share with it? Cause I haven't dug into that. Is that more designed for people within the same household to share a single one password license? Or is yeah. that more designed for you to have one for you and your various family members who maybe don't live with you? And, and ideally, so this is a new version with version four on the Mac where you can create a separate vault and you can share a vault. So uh, ideally, like I could have a vault that I share with Daisy. And we could, you know, we could share that vault. And it's a great way to bring somebody into the one password fold. Um, since Daisy and I have both been using it. And I think that's kind of a, a point worth making, Katie, is, you know, Daisy is not a super geek, my wife, and but she totally gets one password. And when I showed it to her, she immediately seized upon the importance of having good passwords and the ability to keep track of it. And and the way that happened was I showed her I had to give her the bank password and it's just crazy, insane set of characters. And she said, you're crazy. How did you do that? And then I showed her and then she was, became a zealot. She loves one password. But the point being, by the time the vault feature showed up, she already had a very rich one password database of her own. And so she's got her own secure notes and, and there are, there is data like the login for the bank. We both have it. And when I update it, I always have to kind of go and update hers. If we did a vault, I could do that much simpler. It's one of the newer features. It's kind of nice with version four. Yeah. Well, so I think of a vault and I guess you don't have to use it this way is if you share a login and you share one password, this is how you can have a different subset of passwords and different vaults, but you can also share passwords with um, one password. They now have a sharing feature built in where you can securely share passwords. So if Daisy IM'd you and said, Hey, can you, can you send me the password to the bank? And you send her one, you, you got one password on your iPhone. You can share with her either via email or via iMessage or however you want to do it. The, a one password file that is itself encrypted and protected that because she uses one password, she can add that file to her one password account and, and basically have that one password entry. Yeah. And the, the concern with that, we got some from, from some listeners is, well, if anybody else intercepts that, can they use it? And I haven't thoroughly tested this yet, but the, um, I believe it's, it's still locked to my password. I, you know, I, I don't know. I'm kind of on the ledge here. Do you know if that, well, that, is, that wouldn't that, make sense that, because then Daisy would have to know what your one password yeah. is. So I, I think if it is in transit, boy, I, I, uh, I should have found the answer to that before we started recording the show. I'll, I'll follow up on that and I'll either do a blog post or we'll f do feedback on that. I, I do believe there is some risk when you put it out there that someone can use it. So use that for what it is. Yeah. Like but if I, think I were to email it to her or message and someone were to intercept that, then they would be able to use to get that password. I guess iMessage is the way to go then. Yeah, because perhaps. isn't that end-to-end -end encrypted? Yeah. 
or a shared vault. A shared vault. There you go. Because the vault is going to have its own password, and they, without that password, they're not going to get into it. Right. Okay. Um, okay. So you like, see, there's still little nuances to this stuff. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I've done with one password is you, we talked about how you can add credit cards to one password and that's great so that you can automatically fill your credit card information across various websites because normally websites and some of them don't give you an option not to, but normally if you go buy a, a shirt at Eddie Bauer, it's going to say, uh, Hey, you know, thank you for giving us your credit card information. Thank you for your order. I'm going to hang on to that credit card number for you so that next time you come back and order, it's going to be uh, real easy. And I'll, I'll just hold this credit card for you. And, and don't worry, we'll oh, keep man, it safe. I, I hate that box. I hate that box. <laughs> I know. And, and what I hate more is when so often these vendors check it off by default. I know. That should be something that someone chooses to do. And when you go into a website and they've got they've got it clicked that they're just going to go ahead and save it for you. So many people will not even see that. You know, you just don't even notice the box there and you click OK without realizing that you've just put your credit card into a database of somebody else. Right. And if they end up getting breached in some way, <laughs> okay, yeah, the target okay. treatment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then there you go. So I never click and I always look for that and recommend that you do, too. But it's very easy and sometimes perhaps too easy for me to shop online. Because I store my credit cards in one password. But in addition to just storing the credit cards in one password so they're easy to access, I've also used one password to create what I call a virtual wallet. And I think I posted about this on the blog, where in addition to storing just the credit card numbers for easy fill, I also store the information about um, the bank, the credit limit, the um, 1-800 numbers, both for local and abroad. And I go so far as I run the credit card through my ScanSnap. And yeah. I scan a copy of the card front and back just to make sure that I've got all the information for my card. And because with 1Password, you can make attachments. And I do that not just with my credit cards, but pretty much with everything in my wallet, my insurance card, um, my, you know, whatever cards I've got in my wallet that are important enough to carry on. And even some cards that I don't put in my wallet because I don't think they're that important enough to carry, but I feel like I need to keep them. I put Like all a that, rewards card. Yeah, well, I have a separate app for that. I either use... um. I think it's called Cardstar or um, there's a Lemon Wallet or something like that. There's some other apps that will let you do that. But yeah, other uh, rewards cards and things like that, I'll, I'll put in one password so that I've got them. But that makes it so easy. Number one, you basically, and I'm not saying in any means that this is legal. I mean, it's not like you can take your iPhone and show the teller a picture of your credit card or a picture of your ID. But yeah. um, I like having it. And to me, it's better than having nothing. So if something happens and I do lose my wallet, um, it, it's very easy for me to go through my virtual pass, my virtual wallet in one password and know this is what I had. This is what I need to cancel. This is who I need to call. This is what I need to do. Or here, here, look, this is me. This is my driver's license and kind of please take my word for it. Or, you know, it's funny it, how that always happens on vacation. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a lot, you know, it's a lot easier to to take care of that stuff if you've got copies of it. It it actually happened to us on a vacation where Daisy thought that the wallet, her wallet, was lost, and I opened up one password. I mean, we don't have a lot of credit cards, so it was pretty easy. I called the bank and I called the credit card company, and just a couple things that were essential. And so within like five minutes of her accepting that this that this wallet was gone, um, 
I was able on the phone using the one password data and talking to the credit card companies and got everything taken care of. And then of course that night we found it back in the hotel room. Was that the seal incident where the seal stole it at SeaWorld? No. I, I don't know what you're talking about. I thought like the seal stole your wallet or something or the otter. I don't know. That's your other podcast. Sea lions. Partner. No. I don't no. know what you're talking about. I made that up. I completely made that up. <laughs> I think you're having a moment, Katie. <laughs> okay. Um, the last kind of advanced feature that I want to talk about with, with one password, and maybe you've got others on your list, but, um, is one password anywhere. And it's yeah. one that I kind of have a hard time explaining, which is why David kind of conveniently said nothing about it. I think left it for me to explain, but the, and I, I have no idea technically how this happens, but just take my word for it. It works. The reason that I carry around that little one password, um, I'm going to call it a keychain, but that little one password data file on my keychain, because I've got a, remember I talked about, I've got a flash drive on my keychain, one of those little yeah. tough and tiny things, yeah. is because if I lose my phone, if I lose my iPad, I have all my data on my keychain. And the way that that works is I can take that and plug it into any computer. And that one password file I think if it's on a PC, will show up as a zip file, and if it's on a Mac, it will show up as a um, as a package file. And if you right click and open it, inside there will be a web page that you can double click on. And when you double, and you don't have to put in any passwords or anything at this point. When you double click on the the web page, it will open to a it will open your web browser, and it will open to a web page that looks just like the one password interface yeah and with a password prompt with a password prompt i should point this out this is all encrypted and if you type in the password correctly in that password prompt you will get access to all of your one password data that is inside that one password keychain file and that just blows my mind yeah like i said before there's a lot of really smart people at agile at one password i mean but but that is huge i mean i could be destitute and walking down the street with no phone, no Mac, no iPad, but somehow I managed to fight off and I've got my, my little keychain and you pick me up off the side of the road and I've got all of my data. In I'm my, picturing this. I'm you're picturing, you're this. picturing you, this. Yeah. You got like a shopping cart, I have maybe a shop- one shoe. <laughs> yeah. One I'm just, shoe. I'm walking down the side of the road a, saying. A, a really large bathrobe <laughs> yes. and a tough and tiny drive. Got it. But and I'm, I say, Katie, let me help you out. Let's find your passwords. <laughs> yeah. And, and you, you take pity on me. You put me in the car. You take me home. And I stick the tough and tiny drive in your, in your computer and, and boom, there's all my stuff. Yeah. That, that is really pretty amazing. I, you know, I've, I have it. I know I've tested it. I've never actually needed that feature. Thank goodness. And I promise I'm going to write this up on the blog this year, this is the year that it happens, yeah. um, and it won't take that a full year. But I, I, I probably this weekend or so. Um, but I've actually set up a keyboard maestro um, that when I plug that tough and tiny drive in, it it mounts, it copies over that one password data file. So every time I plug that tough and tiny drive in, and I've got an Omni OmniFocus task to remind me to do it every so often, that yeah. that one password data file gets updated, constantly updated. Now I can only do that because. I also sync with Dropbox, so. Constant vigilance. The other other stuff I would call power features on the Mac is 
they've got much better at uh, organization. They have both folders and tags. So if you want to organize them like that, uh, what's it? Red alert file that Katie has. You can, you can pick the most important ones and they have a really nice feature with version four that is called security audit. And I really think this is great because a lot of us have been making passwords longer than we've had one password in our life. And the security audit will show you passwords that have weak, weak passwords. Right. Um, and it will show you ones that have duplicate passwords. So if you're using the same one in more than one place, it'll point those out for you. And that's, that's a big red flag because like the target scenario earlier, if, if your password gets out there, the bad guys are going to check that against other common things. If they get your Amazon password, they're going to try it at iTunes. I mean, I think it's, they probably have robots that do that for them. So you don't want to have this password in multiple places. And then they also show you passwords that are more than three years old. And, um, I, I thought it was remarkable when the security audit feature went in and I opened up my database and I clicked on the three-year-old version and I started scrolling and it just went on and on and on because I'm always bragging about how when the clocks change, I change my most important passwords and I'm smart and blah, 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 you know, but the, the real problem is there's a whole bunch of passwords that don't make that list for me. And boy, some of them are pretty important and they have been around for quite a long time. So I, I wanted to kind of go through and fix that. So now I don't have any that show up in my three plus year old, you know, list. They also have one to three years and six to 12 months. So, you know, you can go through and slice and dice this any way you want. Uh, but the, the, the Mac application really helps you get better at it. Yeah. All right. Do we have time to talk about uh, a little bit about one password for iOS? Yes, let's just do it. Let's just do it. I don't, you can write me about how long the show is, but I think that there's some pieces of this. If you're, you know, there's a lot of extra, you know, goodness if you're using the iOS version that you may not be aware of. Um, I've already talked a little bit about, but I think one of the most important things is try out the one password browser, and I think you'll be very happy with what you find. Uh, it used to be I was always kind of hesitant to use in app browsers. Uh, because you know that the Safari is going to be better, uh, but with one password, because it syncs to my one password data so well, and they've done a lot of work on making the browser really great anyway. Uh, I found that it's definitely something you're going to want to use. I I use this all the time, and it shopping especially. Um, yeah. he, here's a tip: Did you know that Tweetbox will let you open things in one password as your default browser? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Tweetbot will even go to 1Password because they use URL callbacks, and the people at 1Password are really smart. Um, they built URL callbacks in where you can go to 1Password from Tweetbot to get your tweet um, password, your Twitter password. Yeah. Smart. That's, that is smart. But um, I, I use this all the time. In fact, I do... <laughs> uh, the last couple of years, I have done my Black Friday shopping in bed, sometimes at midnight or shortly thereafter, very early in the morning, um, using the, this. That's bad, I know. Yeah, so you open one password and you click on your Amazon password. I mean, what you've got to log into one password, obviously, but you tap on Amazon, it goes straight to the browser, puts in your login data, and then you can just go crazy. You can buy the shopping cart, the slipper, everything you need. Yeah. And it's a great browser. It's got tabs now and does all that stuff. So definitely don't under, under underestimate the, um, the one password. 
browser. The other thing that you can, I mean, you can do so much with the, with the one password app, but the other thing that you can do that's really cool is you can see, not only see all of the passwords, but new in version four, you can see all of the attachments to the passwords, which is really what kind of makes that virtual wallet fit work for me. Yeah. So now when you scan your credit cards and you put them, attach them to the visa in your one password, you can see it mobile on the mobile, which was, I think that they added that with the think version four. Yeah, that was a, that was a big change. Yeah. But in a lot of ways, and this is really a good thing. Um, the one password app now, oops, I don't know what that was. The one password app now works a lot of the same ways, just like the one password app does on the Mac in terms of you can save logins, you can generate logins, you can create logins, um, which is really nice. So you have that problem of, oh, I've just created this new account on this new website and I don't, oh, I can't create a password for it because I don't know how to do that. Well, you can now, you just do it within the one password browser and you can auto generate and save passwords. Yeah. I guess going full circle when I was talking at the beginning of the show, that wasn't as easy before as it is now. And uh, going back to, you know, the, the reasons why you want to generate passwords on the fly, you can now do it on the mobile device just as easy, which is great. So, David, we've spent this entire show kind of professing our love for 1Password, and I, I really, truly hope that it, it has not sounded like an extended hour-long ad spot for 1Password, and um, I hope that our listeners will understand why we've done that and all the reasons that you explained. I know we can sometimes slip into it because it's it's so easy, because I think it's pretty obvious that, that we have a lot of love for that product. But I think in all due fairness, we really need to talk about some of the alternatives to 1Password, because there are some pretty good alternatives to 1Password out there now. And they're really absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. They're they're really weren't at the time that we recorded. I, I think the first one password show that we did. So I, I want to take this last segment of our show and I want to talk about some of the alternatives to one password. But before we do that, I want to thank our last sponsor for this episode, and that is our good friends over at Squarespace, who have been with us for a long, long time, and we continue to support. Uh, Squarespace with our personal business because Dave and I both have our domains hosted over at Squarespace and uh, we appreciate that they've been long-term sponsors of Mac Power users. But the reason that David and I both have our domains over at Squarespace is not because they pay us or not because they give us any great discount or anything, but Squarespace quite simply is a fast and easy way to create a simple, great website. I personally moved over to Squarespace because I didn't want to be uh, a, a webmaster. I didn't want to have to worry about managing a website or installing the latest version of PHP or making sure that this and that was up to date and that my database was backed up. Squarespace has got all that kind of stuff taken care of. And they have beautiful templates, so you can start designing your own Squarespace temp uh, site from any one of their number of award-winning templates, which you can also go in and customize these templates to your heart's content. So even if David and I picked the exact same template for our website, which I don't think we did, though I think Bradley Chambers and I might have, the sites look absolutely nothing alike because you can change the colors, you can change the layout, you can change the fonts, you can um, add custom CSS, you can add custom HTML, you can add custom code to your site. You can do all of these things, and uh, Squarespace really lets you get deep down under the hood and customize to your heart's content. Uh, they're celebrating their 10-year anniversary this year, which means these are not a fly-by-night company. They've, they've been around for a while. And in celebration of that, they've announced that they're going to announce 10 great things in celebration of this. So one of the things they came up with uh, about a month or so ago was they completely revamped 
um, their iOS apps. So they came out with a complete redesign for iOS 7, but it's more than a redesign. These are totally new apps. And so you've got two new apps, especially I want you to check out that I use. It's the Squarespace blog app and the Squarespace metrics app. So if you're the kind of person who wants to see how many sites are or how many hits is my site getting? How many uniques am I getting? What are people coming for? What are they searching for? You can do all that with the metrics app. But if you want to compose posts on the go, whether you write them in Markdown, whether you write them in HTML, whether you write them in plain text, you can add pictures, you can add um, text, you can add images, you can add links. You can do all of this from the Squarespace blog app because it's got the layout engine that Squarespace is so famous for actually built into the app. And I've been using the heck out of this. And you probably don't know that because you can't tell any different from any other post that I've been making on my own site. So check out Squarespace. Their plans start as little as $8 a month. Uh, You get a free domain name if you register for a year. And if you use the coupon code MPU1, Uh, you can save even more. So thanks to Squarespace for their continued support of the show. In my immediate family, we have at least four Squarespace websites that I'm aware of. And with my wife, there actually may be more. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, um, so let's talk about alternatives. And and the two big ones, I think, are probably at the iCloud keychain, which is kind of a new feature that showed up with iOS 7 and Mavericks and LastPass. And I'd like to start talking about iCloud Keychain. I mentioned it a little bit earlier in the show. And the way this this service works, it's, you know, it's an Apple-baked product, and it works right in the operating system. So if you're working in Safari, you probably have seen already, if you're using Mavericks or iOS 7, uh, you go to a website, and it offers to create a password for you. And it then offers to remember it for you, which is a lot like the, you know, the password fill feature of one password, but it's built into Safari and it, it syncs over iCloud. Uh, there's some things to like about that. I mean, there's a lot of people out there who don't use any password service, who've never heard of one password and it gets them using more secure passwords. But it's also in my mind, um, it, it's just really not equal to one password in a lot of ways. I mean, the, you don't have feature parity. Like I don't have the secure notes that I love so much. And some of the other features we've talked about. The way it generates the password, you don't have that granular control like like we do, and you, and you have to be in a password field. You can't just create one on the fly. Um, it's uh, got a uh, the sync is not entirely. I have found in my experience that it's not entirely working yet. Sometimes I have sites that I'll do a iCloud password as a test, and then it won't show up on the Mac or it won't show up on the iPhone. I mean, it's, it's just clearly not Apple's focus to make this you know, the premier feature of the operating system. It's another feature, whereas the 1Password product, it's a whole company's focus to make the best possible passwords and have the best possible features. And and as a result, you're getting, you know, essentially better service. You pay for it, but, you know, you get what you pay for. Um, the other thing that worries me about the iCloud keychain is what I call the keys to the kingdom. If If you've got an iOS device in particular, but this is true for your Mac as well, and you've started saving important passwords to this new iCloud sync service, and you walk away from your computer or you hand someone your iPhone, all they have to do is go into Safari and go to your bank's website, and they're in. I mean, because it's saved that stuff, and it will autofill it for you or them or anybody else sitting at the machine. Now, to be uh, to be fair, it, when you do sign up for the key, uh, uh, keychain sync and when you activate that feature, it does prompt you to set and iOS does this in general now, but it does remind you again to set a passcode lock on your iPhone 
and it does remind you to set a security settings on your Mac, and it points out that you should set your Mac to require a password when waking from sleep and from waking from screensavers and things like that. But I think what you're, yeah, but- what you're talking about, and, and just to make clear the point that you were, were talking about is the problem is, is that once you've put in your login password to your Mac, your keychain is unlocked. Yeah, and and I I don't know about you, but I I pass my iPad around a lot. I mean, I even with clients when I sit in settlement conferences, I I have a special number spreadsheet I built in. My client has my iPad all day, and I'm not sure I want them, you know, being able to go to my bookmarks and get into my bank. Um, so you know, it's just a question of of how serious. Like I, I could see, you know, if you want to try the service out, I would recommend trying it out with some of your low security, like maybe at a forum login or something. If you want to try something like that, but just in general, it's it's not enough for me. I am definitely someone who is very conscientious about passwords and security. And I think this is a, a, a dandy idea from Apple, and I'm curious to see where they go with it in the future. But for now, at least, it's just not enough. And and I understand if people out there want to use it, especially people who've never used a service like this before, it's a gateway drug, and maybe that'll lead them to 1Password. But it's definitely not going to give you the kind of protection you have with that second wall that I talked about earlier. But So I don't want to be too negative about it. I mean, generally it works, but it's it's not the same. Well, and and I've likened it before to um, Time Machine. Time Machine really, I think, brought backup to the masses. It made backup easy when Apple introduced Time Machine. You know, just plug in a USB hard drive and Apple's going to prompt you and say, hey, can I back up to this? Do you want me to take care of this for you? And it will. And a lot of power users will tell you that Time Machine is not their favorite backup method. But I use Time Machine and it's, I will tell you that it's not my primary backup method. But I've used it, and I've recovered files from it, and it's worked. And I've had numerous occasions where that's the only backup that people have had, and I've recovered data from it, and they have been so thankful to have that. And I think if they do nothing else, you know, this is Apple saying, hey, just like backup was an issue, and we we were trying to solve this problem by bringing you Time Machine, we get that this password thing is an issue, and we're trying to solve that problem by bringing you Keychain Sync. And Yes, there are more powerful programs. There's this carbon copy cloners of the world. There's the super dupers of the world uh, to take care of your backup needs. There's crash plan and backblaze and all of that. But here's one solution. And yes, in the password realm, there's one password, there's LastPass, there's other solutions. But for, for people who, I mean, you would not believe people who are never going to go out and buy something, people who are never going to install a third-party application, people who use their Macs for years and years, and either what they can download for free or what's already come on it or what a family member has set up for them on it is all they're going to use. And I think it's huge that Apple's providing it. I agreed with that, except I would argue that the analogy falls down a little bit because backup and security for passwords are really two entirely different animals and going halfway with password security to me is a lot tougher to swallow than going halfway with backups. Okay. But yeah, I I know what you mean. And I have recommended it to people, especially people like you said, who I know will never buy it, you know, buy one password and who have no password security right now. But I really wish they would go the full step. You know, why go six steps when you can go 10, you know, go all the way, get yourself in the end zone. 
Boy, I'm get, I'm not very good at the sports analogy. <laughs> well, I'll, I, sh- I should talk about this a little bit later, but it, it kind of makes sense. That, and it just kind of opened my eyes to the typical Mac user. And I say that with all due respect to Victor Kahiyahu out there, um, who I notice is out there on Twitter more. So, hey, Victor. But um, for, for Christmas this past year, um, I gave my trainer a $50 gift card to iTunes. And she was very nice. She was very appreciative. And she went off to Christmas and came back two weeks later. And, and uh, we started up again in January. And she said, so I've got a question for you. And I said, sure, what's that? And she says, what do I do with that card you gave me? I said, <laughs> I, I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, I, I know it's $50 and I know it's to iTunes, but what do I do there? And And the reason I bought it for her is because I knew she had an iPhone because I had helped her set up iCloud backup and do some things like that. And I said, well... You can buy music or TV shows or books or apps or things like she, that. She could buy a book on going paperless, she could. Um, or or how to manage your email. And and I said, yeah. I said, haven't you haven't you bought apps for your phone before? And she said, I've got a few, but they're all free. And I just said, well, aren't there? You know, anyway. But there, there's so many people out there like that. Yeah. Anyway. I I, that was completely off topic, but I just it was it was interesting to me that the light bulb went off, and I thought, huh. Maybe I should have gotten her a gift certificate to Chili's, but <laughs> <laughs> that might have might have got used faster. Yeah, although for a trainer, yeah, maybe a not. gift certificate to Chili's. That's what I was I'm trying. Sure to, that's that's what I was trying to avoid. Maybe Whole Foods. Maybe Whole Foods. Yeah. All right. Um, I want to talk a little bit about LastPass um, because if I didn't, I would get get grief from some good friends of mine who use LastPass. And LastPass is probably one of the major competitors out there to 1Password. And I've, I've looked into it a bit. Um, like David, obviously, if you can't tell from the tone of the show, I am a 1Password devotee and not going anywhere. But LastPass takes a little bit of a different approach to this. It has a lot of the same features and a lot of the same functions as 1Password. Um, but LastPass is entirely web-based, meaning there's no client app and for me personally, that's where I stop. But, you know, we can keep going because being entirely web-based means the information is saved completely to the company's servers. And I know that security experts out there like Steve Gibson have looked at LastPass and like LastPass and are happy and satisfied with the security that they offer. But something about having this entirely web-based and having the information saved on the company's servers mm, just bothers me. As I walk around with all of my passwords on my keychain, I understand, but you know, so yeah. Um, the way that you get to all of your, it's it's got a similar mechanism to One Password, and that um, you know it's got these browser extensions that you install, and you sign into the browser extension, you sign into your LastPass account, and then you have all of uh, access to your passwords. Um, but the benefit to it being entirely web based is that you have access to any computer or any web browser. Whereas um, with client-based solutions, you either have to have the data file or you have to have access to the client. Um, like I said, LastPassword touts their security on their website. I really don't understand a lot of it, but people who are smarter than me in the security realm have have looked up to it. But you can access your passwords um, via web extensions from all the popular browsers, or they have apps that are pretty much on all the platforms for iOS, for BlackBerry, for Windows Phone, for Android but you can't use the apps unless you're a premium subscriber. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. Um, so same type of thing. It will prompt you to save your passwords. You can um, fill in your passwords from various websites. 
similarly to one password, you can also set up profiles that you can use for different identities to store, you know, your name, address, phone number, and, and autofill that. Um, you can store and save and autofill credit card information. And they seem to also have support for secure notes and you can not only save secure notes, but you can attach documents and images to secure notes. And one password has secure notes and you can attach images and documents to pretty much anything in one password too. So similar features, they, they go about it a little different way. And then uh, LastPass also has sharing. So you can securely share logins with other LastPass users. Uh, and it also has the ability to generate passwords and audit your passwords. So two features that we've, we've already, we've already talked about. Um, and the big thing that, that LastPass has going for it is it's free for basic use. Um, unless you decide to opt for a premium account, which is $12 a year, um, most of what I've talked about so far, you can access for free. The big exception being there's no access to the app platform unless you pay for a premium membership. So if you want access to the iOS or Android apps, um, you do have to pay for that. And you get a few extra things if you pay for the premium membership. Um, one of the things they advertise is you get no ads if you pay for the premium membership. So I guess you have to put up with ads if you don't. Um, and that you can turn on multi-factor authentication support with a paid membership. So it seems to have a lot of features. Um, it, it certainly has a very reasonable price. And it really, I think, comes down to, you know, web-based or client-based and feature parity. Yeah, I think it's there's more to it than that, frankly. Because for me, and, you know... I, I guess to go back, part of this for me is emotional. I When I was first getting started with Mac Sparky, I met Dave Terre at Macworld, and they had a oh, little, yeah. it, was, it wasn't even a booth. It was like, it was, it shared, was a quarter of a piece of pizza is what it was. Basically. I mean, the, the table was were, like the size they, of a large pizza, and they shared it with four other developers. I remember that. They were getting. They were getting started, and those those guys, I sat down with them, and they were so passionate about this, and they wanted to make, like, a Mac experience and solve a big problem, and they were the first ones, in my in my estimation, to come up with the solution and to really solve a problem that I'd been dealing with my entire life, and I like the people, I like the stuff they do, and frankly, I think as a Mac user and someone who appreciates good design and and a company that wants to kind of solve my problems before I realize I have them. I just don't think there's any competition to, you know, to one password, but you know, and I'm saying that admittedly biased. Now, when you had said earlier, well, we don't want this to be a one and a half hour commercial. What I wanted this to be was a one and a half hour explanation of how I use this application every day. And I think we, we accomplished that. And if you want to take that as me trying to force this stuff down you, um, you know, I disagree. But I think we did some good tips, and um, I think there's a lot of good reasons to like one password. And and I am a loyal customer. So, so there you have it. Biased as heck, David Sparks, Max Sparky. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've about Max Sparky. Max Sparky. There you go. I love that coupon code. I think okay. we've about covered it. Then haven't we? Yeah, I think we have. I yeah. think we have. Uh, Go check it out. Whatever you do, please get off the bandwagon of having an Excel spreadsheet, a Word document, a little black book or something else with a list of passwords in it. Please, please, please stop using the same password over and over again. Now more than ever, the bad guys are on to us and they're more than ever interested in taking from us. So uh, I think 
this password security thing is much more important than it was the last time we covered the topic. And I guess if there's one takeaway from this show is you need, you need to take it seriously because the bad guys are already. Okay. Katie, how do you get a a hold of us? Well, you can find links to everything that we talked about in this episode, lovingly crafted by our good buddy JT over at MacPowerUsers.com or at five by five dot TV slash MPU slash one seven three for this episode. You can send me uh, and Katie both email to feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. And you can also send us a Twitter comment. Uh, we are at Mac Power Users. Katie is at Katie Floyd. I am at Max Sparky. All right. And we will see you all next time.